Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Take your Bibles and go with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. So turning there, there was a group of guys, uh, two guys fishing one Sunday morning. They'd been most of the morning and they hadn't caught a thing. One guy looks at the other guy and goes, well, I guess we should have gone to church. The other guy says to the other one, says, well, I wouldn't have gone to church anyhow. My wife's homesick. <laughs> you think about that for a moment and let that sink in. Because I think that represents where the church is in America today. And while we laugh, that's a true statement. And this week, I saw something and posted it that I want you to see, because I think what we're witnessing is um, a tragedy in, in the church in America today. Uh, let, let me just show you what, what's happening. Go ahead and put the light of Joe, put the next slide up for me. It says this, church in Afghanistan. We will gather and likely die. We, we IMB has set out uh, missionaries. We know what's going on there. Uh, Christianity Today uh, has push, push, put out some things. Now listen, hear, hear, me, hear me carefully. Not everything we're hearing um, in news media is all true about what's, what you're hearing. You have to hear the truth. Some of it's fake news. Like this week, it was reported 225 Christians were killed. We, we don't have, you know, just all lined up and killed. We have no, there's no truth or no facts behind that at the moment. What we do know is people are trying to get to airports. They're being beaten with rubber hoses. Their passports are being stolen. People are, we do know people are dying, but we have no actual case of 225 Christians just stood up and killed in one mass massacre. We do know that the church there, the missionaries are still proclaiming the gospel and realizing that could be the last for them. That's the church in Afghanistan. Church in America, this is our philosophy. We will gather unless there's a cookout, a party, a ball game, it's a nice day outside. If it's raining, don't want to mess my hair up. Or if it's just tired, if I'm just tired. Now stop and think about it. Don't raise your hand. But have you ever used one of those excuses not to go to church? Here's, we, we, we can twist it a little bit. I, I, the one we hear the most today is, I can't go to church because COVID. Now hear me carefully. I support everyone who doesn't come to church because it's COVID because they're high risk. That's why we offer our online. That's why we're on television. What I don't support is everybody who goes to the ball game, to Walmart, who goes out to eat, sends their kids to school, who works and travels and all this thing, and then Sunday morning goes, 
well, let's not go to church because it's COVID. Listen, you're, you're just using the COVID excuse. Welcome to the church in America. Now, next week, we'll, we'll dive into this a little more into our text. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus tells us that there's coming a day when the rapture will come and those who, there'll be some who are left and will be shocked by those who are left. Wait a second, didn't we, didn't we go to church in your name? Didn't we, didn't we, didn't we sing those songs? Didn't we serve as a Sunday school teacher? Didn't we serve as a deacon? Didn't we sing in the choir? Didn't wasn't I there on a Wednesday night meal? Didn't, didn't I bring food for the potluck? What do you mean, depart from me? I know you're not. The church in America, I think COVID is being used as, when I say church in America, I'm sure it's the same way all over. But I think COVID is being used as an opportunity for the church to wake up and realize we're not where God wants us to be. Because I mean, you think about it, when, when the people of Israel leave, leave the promised land, or leave for the promised land out of Egypt, they're headed out, and then while they're in the wilderness, they begin to be grumpy and complain, and all of a sudden they realize they're not going to get there. Why? Because they're not who they claim to be. And God has to do some work on them. Now listen, I hope the COVID doesn't take 40 years to kill off a generation to get the church to where it needs to be. But I do think there are moments where God uses things like COVID to remind us of who he is and where we need to be. And so this morning, I want us to look at Luke chapter 15. Because one of the things as we talk about reaching our neighbors is we have a responsibility as believers to share the gospel. There's no question. When Jesus leaves this earth, the last command he gives to his disciples, and you and I both know that it's not just a command to the 12, it's a command to the church to go into all nations. Right? Right? Okay, just, you know, this is all of us together today. It's to all of us. The question has to be is how well are we doing that? Well, we can look at baptism numbers in the last 20 years and we know how we're not doing that well. And, and to even get it to a little closer to home, ask yourself this, when was the last time you personally shared the gospel with someone? Now remember, the gospel is not, hey, come go to church with me. The gospel is, do you know who Jesus Christ is? And let me tell you. And then you walk through the plan of salvation. And so this morning what I want us to do is remind us that, that that's what we're supposed to be doing. In order for us to reach our neighbors, it's about understanding God loves lost people. He sent his son for lost people. You and I were lost at one point. I don't know if you know this, but you didn't, die, you didn't come into this world saved. You might have come into a family who know Jesus Christ, but you were lost when you came into this world. 
You needed somebody to share Jesus with you or you were going to die and go to hell. And somebody had to share Jesus with you. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to remember that. That we need to be looking to rejoice. And when we rejoice, when the church really rejoices, is when, when people come to know Christ. So let's look at Luke 15. If you have your Bibles, go with me. Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. We're only going to look at the first 10 verses. As you know, Luke 15, if you grew up in church, this is the lost chapter, but we'll only look at the first 10. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. What man among you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them? And doesn't leave the 99 in an open field and go after the lost one until he finds it. When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. Or what woman who has 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me because I have found the silver coin I lost. Tell you, in the same way, there is more joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. You may be seated. So, an interesting parables here that Jesus tells. And it's interesting, as Jesus tells these parables, who's gathered there in his presence. The text tells us that. Jesus is standing there, and he's standing in the presence of tax collectors and sinners. Now, let's, let's set the stage a little bit here. Jews despise tax collectors. Tax collectors are scum of the earth. Let me rephrase that. Tax collectors are worse than scum of the earth. They're Jews who are traitors. They're born Jews, but they have traded in their, in, they've traded because they've sold their soul to Rome. What they've done is they've sold themselves to Rome to collect money for Caesar from Jews. And so now what they do is they take and they, they get money from their Jewish counterparts and they give it to Rome. And what they can do is they have given a free license to collect more than they have to to make money for themselves. So no Jew likes a tax collector. They are scum of the earth or worse than that. In fact, a Jew will not recognize a tax collector in the synagogue, a tax collector cannot come in and give money to the synagogue. They refuse to take their money. They don't want their money. 
No charity wants their money. Your money is no good because you are a traitor. You're scum. The tax collector's word is no good. In a court of law, they are not allowed to give testimony because it is worthless. They, they are, for lack of a better term, dogs, and nobody does business with them. They shun them. They put them out. And it's interesting. Does Jesus have a tax collector as a disciple? Tells you about Jesus' heart for people, does it? Jesus is standing there talking to tax collectors and sinners. So it's interesting, Jesus, who is a teacher, many refer to him as a rabbi. No rabbi would ever stoop low enough to even speak to a tax collector. Why would we waste our time and our knowledge on somebody as scum? They don't deserve to know the knowledge that we have. They don't deserve God and his, and his grace. And so this particular day, Jesus is standing there talking to them. The Pharisees, and they see this, and the scribes, they, they witness this, and they stop, and they witness what's going on. They're, they're upset because this person who people are stopping and listening to, and they know that people are seeing him as a teacher. Why would he do this? He's giving us a bad name. And Jesus begins to teach this parable, or this couple of three parables, two of which we look at. The first one is a parable about a shepherd, a shepherd who loses a sheep. Now, the Pharisees would understand the parable. The, the Pharisees would get the parable. They would get the parable that if a shepherd loses a sheep, he must go get it. There's an obligation he must have to go get the sheep. For the shepherd doesn't own the sheep. He's just a hired hand. He would not have enough money to own his own herd. He would be just somebody paid to watch a herd. So if he lost one sheep, while in the grand scheme of things to the man who owns the herd, that's not a big deal. But to the shepherd who oversees the herd, it would be. Because he could not afford to replace that one sheep. So he has an obligation to go find that sheep. There's an obligation to, to leave the 99 and go hunt the one. Certainly he leaves the 99 with someone in a field. There are other shepherds watching and he goes hunting the one. As we think about the lostness here, there is this moment for you and I to think about our obligation. What obligation do you and I have when we think about lostness? Do you realize that the message of the gospel, that Jesus has left it to you and I? That we are responsible to go proclaim the gospel? That God could have done a number of things to to ensure that the gospel message continues. But the one thing he did was leave it in the hands of those who've heard the gospel, responded to the gospel, and therefore it's in our responsibility to go tell the gospel. 
I mean, think about it. The last thing he tells his disciples, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It's at that moment the gospel goes forth. It's in that moment that he gathers that crew and they are responsible to go and tell the gospel. From that very moment, the gospel has been spreading around the world. It will only take one generation of the gospel stopping to begin to die out. Do you want that on your conscience? Do you want to stand before God and him go, so tell me, why, why was it you never shared the gospel with anyone? I gave you the responsibility. You, you recognize my love. You know that scripture says that you are to go and proclaim. Why did you never tell anyone? Why is that? Why would we do that? I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I can come up with any reason why somebody can tell me why they, they wouldn't share the gospel. I think we debate a lot of things. We can debate, oh, whether we should or we shouldn't. But the truth of the matter is, we're supposed to go tell. So why don't we go tell? We can debate, well, what if they ask me this? But how will we know what they'll ask if we never go speak? Listen, there's a lot of things we can argue about, but if we never go do it, how will we know if those arguments ever hold water? The Pharisees understood the first parable because they understood the obligation the shepherd had to go find that sheep. Do you understand as the shepherd has called us, we are to go find sheep? That's our obligation. Jesus tells the second parable. It's the parable of the the, the woman who, who has the coins. Now, obviously, she doesn't have much. We get that imagery here. She loses one coin. So losing one coin is significant for her. She sweeps the house. She, she, she goes as much as she lights a candle in. She's looking, and, and you know, you can imagine um, the house that, you know, no electricity, so you got the light from the door, maybe a window, you know, looking under, looking under chairs, looking under everything. Let's, let's, let's look everywhere we can. We got to find this coin. You get this, you get this concern for the lostness, this passion for this lostness. She is overwhelmed. She has to find this. The Pharisees would have understood the overwhelming concern. It's significant for her. It's important for her. She, she needs that. It's, it's, it, it's valuable for her. Lostness matters to God. 
In fact, I don't think I gave you the big idea there. It's, it's there in your, in your notes this morning. The, the big idea is simply, if lostness matters to God, it, it should matter to us. Amen? If lostness is a big deal to God, it, it should be a big deal to us. And so, this coin was of value to her. She needed that coin. It was of value. She, it, it was significant, so she hunted for it. How passionately are you looking and searching for the lostness in this world? Let me tell you, you don't have to look very far. Go to Walmart. Go out to eat today at lunch. Go next door to your neighbor. There's lostness all in our community. All we have to do is look. But see, I think the reason the church struggles is we don't see it as our obligation and we don't see it. We don't have a... We don't have a passion for lostness. I mean, let's be honest. I, I know people who were passionate about lostness when their husband or their wife was lost or their grandchildren or their children. But once they got saved, their passion for lostness went away. They didn't worry about their neighbor, their coworker, the teller at Walmart or the gas station. I got mine in. Whoo, hallelujah. That last one, that grandson of mine, I thought I was never going to get him down the aisle. I told the preacher he better hold him under a little longer. We need to make sure that thing's stuck. You see, that, that they missed it. The obligation for lostness is, is there all the time. And you want to know why the church doesn't rejoice? Because we don't we don't seek lostness. We don't have a passion for lostness. I mean, let me show you. Looking for, looking for rejoicing. Let me show you what happens when we rejoice. Look at, look at your text again. I'm going to show you four ways we rejoice. The first one we don't see in this text, but I think is there. It's kind of an understanding here. The first one is when the... The first one is when... When the lost person is found. Have you, ever, have you ever seen somebody who was lost and come to know Christ? They rejoice. They rejoice. They're excited because they were once lost and are found. You ever seen a child lost in a mall when they find their parent? What do they do? They're so excited. They run and they hug that parent. The same thing happens when a person knows they need Jesus. They didn't know what they needed, but when they found it was Jesus, they come to know Christ. We see that happen in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 8. Um, Peter and John are walking into the temple. You remember this? And as they walk into the temple, they see the lame guy. And they said, silver and gold have I none. But they heal the guy. 
Verse 8 says, he jumped up and started walking. And as he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Walking, leaping, and praising God. When people come to know Christ, they come to this place in their life, they're so excited. Think back to the time you came to know Christ. When you came to know Christ, what did you do? Did you, did you keep that quiet or did you tell everybody? Chances are you told your family members, your neighbors. If you were an adult, you told your coworkers. I'll never forget, I was working, I was sharing Christ with, with, with a, a person here in town and been sharing Christ with that person for, for quite some time. And um, I'll never forget they, they came to the place in their life that they prayed to receive Christ. When they came to receive Christ, they were, they were, I was not around at that moment. They, they did that with their pastor at their church that they were attending, uh, their family was attending. And on Monday morning, when I saw that person, I, I typically would see that person on Monday or Tuesday, I saw that person on Monday morning, they could not wait to tell me what they did. They were so excited. I mean, there was a joy that just came over them that they could not wait just to see me. The smile on their face, they were just overjoyed, excited, and could not just stop talking about what God was doing in their life. That's what happens. There's joy in the person when they come to know Christ. Now look back at the text. There are three more joys that happen, that happen in this text. There's joy in the person who goes proclaiming or goes looking. We find it in verse 5 and verse 9. Verse 5 is the guy who's going to look for the, the sheep. When he finds it, he is joyful and he puts it on his shoulder. Listen, if you're the one ever sharing the gospel with somebody and they go, I need Jesus, would you help me? You walk them through the plan of salvation. Let me tell you, there's never any more joy than the privilege to be a part of that. Listen, you're not doing it, by the way. It is God working through you. But to be the instrument that God chooses to use at that moment, no greater joy. And if it's a family member, it's even greater. Amen, Mike? Some of you have led a family member to Christ. That's the sweetest moment you've got. But there's joy. You want to experience joy, you lead somebody to Christ. You walk them through that process. You spend time walking them through, helping them know what it means to believe in God. Helping them understand how God loved them. Third joy we find in the text is others. Others will rejoice. You know, there's a reason why when somebody comes to know Christ, we, we, we invite them here to let them come here. We want you to come by and celebrate. If it's not COVID or we tell you to say amen or we ask you to say amen or we ask you to say hallelujah or jump up and dance, do something just celebrate, rejoice. Look what the text says in verse 6 and 9. You see it in both places. The, the shepherd and the, and the woman calls their friends. 
Rejoice with me in verse 6. Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. The woman calls her neighbors. It's over a coin. Rejoice with me because I have found the silver coin. Others rejoice. You want to see a church get happy? You see lost people come to know Christ. That's how to make that church happy. Lost people come in to know Christ. You want to see a church die? Turn itself inward. Quit going to your neighbors and trying to share gospel. Worry about your Sunday school class only. Argue what paint color you want. Don't invite your neighbor. Tell somebody they're sitting in your pew. I don't have a clock today, so I'm, I guess I better look at it. All right. I better, tell, I better go on before I get in trouble. Fourth one. Fourth group that rejoices. Look at verse 7 and 10. Heaven rejoices. Heaven rejoices. Heaven rejoices. I'm going to use verse 10. Verse 10 is my favorite verse to quote. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God and his angels over one sinner who, repeat, who repents. One sinner. Four joys that happen when a church focuses on losses. Listen, the lost person rejoices because they find Jesus. The person proclaiming rejoices because they were part of the process. Others rejoice and heaven rejoices. But that only happens when people recognize they have an obligation to go proclaim and they have a heart for lostness. It's the only way it happens. And the only thing that happens is when the church recognizes we gather because there's one God. And he's worthy of our gathering. We proclaim because he's worthy of our proclaiming. It's not because, well, there's nothing else to do today, so we gather. We look at this text. The thing I think about this text that strikes me is when Jesus tells this parable, there are three groups of people standing there. Tax collectors, sinners, and the Pharisees and scribes. Of those groups... There's one who's far from God, who, who don't understand, and likely will never reach heaven unless they wake up. You know which group that is? The religious group. The tax collectors and sinners, both will come to a place, many will come to a place and realize they're far from God. The tax collector, or the, the Pharisees, the religious group, they, would, they won't get it. In fact, if you were in Sunday school last week, you looked at Revelation chapter 3, Church of Laodicea. Describes a lot of churches today. I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. I wish you were on fire sharing the gospel. Or I wish you were just lost so we could reach you with the gospel, but because you're just lukewarm... You're no good. I'll just spit you out. The question is, 
Where do we stand in that? We have an obligation. You have an obligation. I have an obligation. Are you praying, God, who is it you want me to share the gospel with? There are lost people in your world. You interact with them every day. You have an opportunity to share the gospel. Don't, don't, listen, don't buy into that story. There's a story out there that says, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. They, they claim Francis Assisi's used that. He never said those words. And the truth about it is, the only way the gospel is ever going to be shared is if you don't, if you'll say something. You've got to speak it. Oh, they may wonder about it, but they'll never hear the gospel if you don't speak it. You've got to tell them Jesus is the answer. So who is it you're praying for? Who is it that you need to go tell that Jesus has made a difference in your life? If you're here this morning, you've never confessed Christ, today could be the day. Let me tell you, Jesus has made all the world a difference in my life. My parents are here this morning. Don't go ask them. My mother has gray hair. I put every one of them there. I like to say it was my brother and sister, but I put them there. <laughs> if it wasn't for the grace of God, that's the only reason I'm standing here today. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be someplace else. Wrecked as a sinner. Lost. Hopeless. In need of help. If you're here this morning, I promise you, You've done nothing that God can't save you from. But all you have to do is trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Repent from your sins. Acknowledge that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you. And say yes to him. If that's your decision this morning, I'll be here. Mike Thomas and J.J. Poole, our pastors will be out this door. They'd love to talk to you. Whatever the case may be, would you just respond to Christ this morning? Let's stand.